Blog Talk Radio. Uh, and just give people a little glimpse 
of the world, not only of Alexa Williams in this Dead on the Delta novel, but in Travel to Botswana in general. Yes, I, I agree. I know for one, I am really excited to finally start traveling again. And I think this is a, a great way just to share your um, experiences, travel, and just get a glimpse into um, Botswana and, and being on safari. Um, so this is really exciting. And again, congratulations on your fifth book um, in the uh, popular Alexa Williams suspense series. Um, would love to just start out by asking you, can you just tell us about Dead on the Delta? Um, if you can just give a, a glimpse into the book, that would be terrific. Sure. Um, as Kim mentioned, this this is the fifth novel in this suspense series that features a, a feisty lawyer uh, named Alexa Williams. She's a 30-something young lawyer. Um, and most of the books have taken place uh, in south-central Pennsylvania, where Alexa fictionally lives. Uh, and works at a, a law firm. Uh, and just in general with her life, um, she manages to stumble across dead bodies and get into trouble time after time after time. So it's probably not surprising that when she, uh, in this book, goes for four months to Botswana, she gets into trouble uh, and danger as well the the idea behind why she's in Botswana is her boyfriend and he's been a, a boyfriend in some of the earlier novels as well is a lion researcher and although now he mostly uh, works at a conservation think tank type place in in uh, the states uh, he is called back for a limited project uh, in Botswana and Alexa decides to go with him, thinking that it's going to be a fun uh, adventure. But she gets involved with the uh, elephant poachers, uh, gets involved with Botswana politics, conservation politics, and although she is there to witness the sort of life and death, death struggle that goes on with all the wildlife in Botswana and on the Okavanga Delta. Instead, she ends up becoming one of the hunted. Mm. Wow. Well, I know in all of your novels, you mention, you know, poaching issues and efforts to preserve endangered species. Um, I love the fact that in all your novels, you're using fiction as a platform to shed light on a lot of social and environmental issues while drawing upon your real life experiences. So I would love to just know what, what gave you the inspiration to write this novel in Botswana? Well, um, we've got my husband and I, um, we, we like to travel. Um, we're uh, semi-retired, and so we have a lot of freedom to, to go on long trips. And um, I think we've taken seven different safaris to Africa. Uh, you know, we started to go to Africa a few years back, and we keep returning again and again and again. Not just to Botswana. We've been to East Africa, Kenya, Tanzania, Uganda, uh, we've also 
been to other countries in southern Africa, like Zimbabwe and Zambia. But we really like the safari experience. Um, and as well, I I really like wildlife. Uh, you know, I think you wouldn't go on that many safaris if you didn't like wildlife. <laughs> but uh, and not only in Botswana, but elsewhere around the globe and in in the United States as well. Uh, you know, I keep observing this sort of tension um, between preserving and conserving wild animals and the uh, sort of push of, you know, criminals, people who are just greedy and want to make money, um, other people who are just trying to make a living uh, and they have elephants running through their their crop fields. Uh, but there's a tension between man and animals. Uh, and in Botswana, it's it's one of the countries actually that is in fairly good shape, relatively speaking, in terms of its elephant population. Uh, and part of that is because it has had, uh, especially in the past, a really, really uh, intense focus on wildlife conservation, uh, almost turning its entire uh, standing army into um, a group of conservation uh, protectors. So, you know, they don't necessarily fight wars outside of Botswana. They basically fight uh, poachers and protect the animals, and which is a big part of the economy of Botswana. So all of that um, sort of percolated, um, and just my love for Botswana and for being on safari made me say, oh, I'd really like to write a novel about all of this. And that's sort of the mm -hmm. seeds of uh, where Dead on the Delta came from. That is terrific. And I know a lot of um, all of your books in the Alexa Williams Suspense series, you've done um, a lot of research. Can you just share um, with our listeners about the research that you did uh, for Dead on the Delta? Oh, yeah. Uh -huh. um, you're right, Kim. I, I do like to research, uh, even though I write fiction, I have this firm belief that if you're just making stuff up, um, now, you know, I'm not writing Game of Thrones and creating whole different worlds, but I write contemporary fiction or um, in some of the earlier books, some historical elements to it. But And I, I believe that if you're not accurate, if, if it doesn't ring true, that's going to sort of yank the reader out of the story and make them start scratching their head and, and questioning the whole book. So I like to do research. Uh, for instance, uh, one of my earlier novels, Dead of Spring, deals with fracking. So I went to the fracking fields in Pennsylvania and talked to a lot of people and learned a lot about it, uh, just as an example. But I have to say that researching this book was the, the best fun I've had doing research uh, yet because to – Although I'd been to Botswana a number of times on safari, uh, when I began to write the book, I realized that it's one thing to go someplace and, you know, have a lot of uh, 
a, a great vacation or a great trip, you know, uh, getting up and doing the safari routine and seeing all the animals. But in order to really write uh, intelligently about Botswana, about poaching, um, about some of the wildlife, I had to learn a little bit more. So my husband, Mike, and I spent four months, four, <laughs> four months, I wish we had, four weeks uh, in Botswana <laughs> doing uh, research for the novel. Now, most of that was on, the, on safari, and we had a, a very knowledgeable guide who uh, answered all my questions, uh, however many I peppered him with. Uh, and, you know, I kept detailed notes, and he uh, was considered with the safari company that we went with, Wilderness Safaris. He was considered one of their most expert guides, so he was really very helpful. Um, I also spent time in two of the the more urban environments that I wanted to, to write about, uh, the capital of uh, Botswana is Habarone, uh, which is uh, you know a modern city, uh, mostly modern city, and I'd never been there, so we spent some time there, toured, uh, interviewed some people there um, about you know the politics, you know visited the government centers, all of that sort of stuff. And then there's a smaller town near the Okavanga Delta, which is called Mon, and it's considered the gateway to the Okavango. And we had passed through there, but we'd never really spent any time there as well uh, to be able to write about it. Um, and the final thing that we did, which was uh, really interesting, was that I was able to spend three days out in the, the bush in the Okavanga Delta, which is the, one of the most remote and beautiful places in Botswana, with a lion researcher, a young woman uh, who I hope to interview in a couple of weeks on this show. And uh, she just educated me about what the day-to-day -day life of a lion researcher is like, uh, her background, uh, the projects that she's working on. She works for an organization called Wild Crew, C-R-U, uh, which basically studies mainly big cats uh, for a program called the Trans-Kalahari Predator Program. And in fact, one of her uh, associates, I, I believe he's her boss, actually was the guy who had been studying the famous Cecil the Lion when he get, got killed. For those of you who know Cecil's story, he had a radio tracking collar on him when he was shot by an American big game hunter, and it you know it turned into sort of a worldwide scandal for a while. So they're very much embedded in the Botswana-Zimbabwe uh, fabric of conservation of research, and they are sponsored actually by the University of Oxford in England. So spending that time in the wild with a lion researcher was probably the highlight of the entire trip. Yeah, I mean, talk about the details that you could add to this book 
considering Alexa's boyfriend is a lion researcher. So that had to just help build out that character even more. So that is really, really exciting. Um, and it must be so excited to go on safari. You know, I've always dreamed of going on safari and it, it always just sounds like maybe an unattainable goal, but um, I think it just sounds so amazing to actually be there, you know, with the animals. Um, can you share um, a couple of your more exciting adventures um, while you've been on safari? Whew. Um, sure. <laughs> uh, you know, the, 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 one of the great things about being on safari is just seeing animals sort of live their life right there in front of you. Um, you know, most safaris go into national parks or uh, game reserves where the animals are protected for the most part. Um, you know, there's always poaching, as the book will will talk about. But, uh, you know, they are protected, and many of them are habituated by from birth uh, to knowing, you know, being familiar with these big safari vehicles uh, sort of traipsing through and sitting and watching them and all of that sort of stuff. Now, it's also dangerous, though, uh, generally, if you get out of the safari vehicle because then you're no longer considered this, you know, big thing that they're used to. You're considered more like uh, an animal that could be prey. Um sure. Although there have been times, uh, talking about adventures, when we've gotten out of the vehicle um, and walked. And one of those was we went to visit a, a rhino sanctuary. And, you know, when I heard about it as, you know, part of the the itinerary of the safari that we were on, I thought, oh, you know, we'll probably go and uh, visit um, some rhinos that we can see on the other side of a fence or something, and that, that'll be interesting because, you know, elephants may be disappearing uh, in the wild, but uh, rhinoceros is uh, a really a poached species and, uh, you know, is bordering on the edge of extinction. So we went to this rhinoceros sanctuary, and when we got there, it turns out, well, we had to go walk to see the rhinoceros. Uh, and oh, there my, were, they weren't um, on the other side, huh? <laughs> no. <laughs> now they, they were uh, – a couple of uh, rangers who went with us on the walk, they were carrying these uh, rifles that looked uh, like maybe they could stop a rhinoceros if it started to charge, <laughs> but not sure. Um, we, were, we were told that we had to stay, I guess it's downwind, right? So they, they couldn't uh, smell you, but as long as they couldn't smell us and get upset, we we should be fine. Uh, so oh we walked for probably about a half an hour and then found a group of them. I think there were like maybe five or six, uh, and they're big, <laughs> especially yes. when you're on ground level with them. And we didn't have any incident, but um, it was it was interesting. Uh, they also mm. asked us specifically not to reveal where this was. Um, because of poachers, so I thought that was a little sad. 
Um, you know, I yeah. guess the safari companies all know, but they don't routinely publish it. And they also ask us not to post their pictures on the Internet because of um, geo-tracking on pictures can could pinpoint their location. Oh, wow. How so, interesting. So that was, yeah. you know, sort of a, a fun adventure on one of our earlier safaris. Uh, another one which is was more just silly, was in, in Botswana. On one of our first trips there, we were staying in a camp called Chitabe, and we were uh, living, staying in tents, you know, more like your typical tent, you know, like a, a V-roof, uh, just like a Boy Scout tent, only much, much bigger with furniture inside, so it, it was hardly roughing it. But Mm-hmm. One of the things with safari is you get up very early in the morning so you can catch the animals uh, in the at, at dawn as the light is breaking when it's cool. Then you come back, you have a meal, and you have some rest time in the middle of the afternoon before you go out later uh, for a second game drive. Uh, also, you know, as it starts to cool later in the afternoon and the animals become more active. So we were back in our tent, having got up, gotten up around 5 in the morning and wanting to take a little nap, when all of a sudden something zaps onto the roof of the tent, um, and then it slides down. So, you you know, how you could just okay. hear something and, you know, yeah. sliding down. And we looked over, and right uh, sort of next to my side of the the bed was two eyes upside down (laughs) and it was a baboon (laughs) peering in at us Uh, and pretty soon the entire baboon uh, troop came and (laughs) they all started jumping on the roof of our tent and sliding and (laughs) It went on for like probably 15, 20 minutes. The neighbors from all the other tents were actually attracted by the noise and came down to watch and laugh at them. And, of course, we didn't get a nap at all that afternoon before we went back out. (laughs) No. That's funny. And baboons, you know, as as cute as they can be and fun, they could, you know, a big troop of them, that that might not be as – Safe, right? <laughs> they can be a little oh, dangerous. Oh, exactly. Baboons have big yeah. teeth, um, and in yeah. some places, especially, uh, I don't know, like Victoria Falls and places like that, where there are a lot of people, they can actually get quite aggressive and you know, sort of mug mm-hmm. people for food and and things like that. So you don't want to really mess with a baboon. Um, no. But this. Sort of amusing if it hadn't been our roof, perhaps, that they were sliding on. <laughs> That's great. Oh, that is that is really fun. Well, I've actually had the, the privilege of already reading the book, and I can honestly say I was ready to pack my bags and book a safari. I mean, the way you describe the animals and the landscape. I mean, I felt like I was right there and it was, it was truly exciting to read. So in addition to the thrilling plot line that you have, it's just, I really did feel like I was in Africa. Um, I'd love to just chat with you about what are some things to keep in mind when going on a safari um, and how would I even get started in planning a trip to Africa? 
Um, well, actually, we are going to have um, uh, a future show. I'm, I'm, I actually have invited somebody from uh, the AAA travel agency in this area here in central Pennsylvania to come and talk about that very topic. But I would say a couple of things. First of all, uh, I encourage anybody who loves wildlife and the out-of-doors to go on safari. Um, and, uh, you know, I know a lot of people are put off by the price, and, and that's certainly a consideration. But there really are a lot of options for safaris, many that are much more affordable than others. Um, I know I have a, a childhood friend who went, she and her husband went with a, another couple on a self-safari in uh, South Africa where the, the roads are pretty good and the self-catering, they call it, accommodations are, are good and you can just drive from one place to the other. Um, there are many countries, uh, although the key ones that I think are, are big safari destinations are Tanzania and Kenya and East Africa. Uganda is a big gorilla destination. Uh, Rwanda is a good, big gorilla destination. And then Southern Africa, which involves Botswana, Zimbabwe, Zambia, South Africa, and uh, to a certain extent Namibia are also safari destinations. Um, you can go on a lot of group tours as well, and group tours can be anything from uh, all tented camps. Uh, some of them can be very luxurious tented camps. Uh, there can be very rustic tented camps. Uh, and for those who aren't quite ready to embrace the the idea of camping in the middle of Africa. Um, you can uh, go on tours that uh, have accommodations in lodges uh, and big hotels uh, in some instances. Uh, similarly, depending on what country you're in, the vehicles can be enclosed or can be very open depending on your comfort level and you know uh, what you want to do uh, in Botswana and Southern Africa you can spend a lot of time flying around in little plant little planes excuse me because the the uh, destinations are so remote and the road systems are, are not good uh, and the best way to do it is find uh, a travel expert, I'd say, to help you. You know, the first time we had a, a AAA travel agent, which is why I thought of them, you know, help us find a, a prepackaged tour. Uh, and some can be adventure tours with a, a little bit more time spent outdoors and more wildlife focused. And uh, other tours can be a little bit more sedate where you still see a lot of wildlife and maybe have some cultural experiences, but you have air conditioned rooms to go back to at the end of the day. The one thing I would say mm -hmm. is uh, travel plan in advance. We usually plan safaris almost a year in advance. Okay. 
Wow. Yeah. And it sounds like there are so many different levels. So no wonder you've been on seven safaris because I'm sure you've been able to experience it differently each time. So that's, that's exciting. Um, we just have a couple minutes left here, Sherry. Um, so will there be any future adventures for Alexa? She's obviously had a lot in these five novels um, as part of the series. Um, so what's next for Alexa? Well, um, I do plan to do another uh, Alexa. I'm working on a slightly different project right now, but um, I, in this book I leave her a little bit hanging in several ways, which I won't um, divulge. But uh, I, I think that I at least have to have one more book in her life, and I wouldn't be surprised that I have a few more than that because I do like writing about her. But it won't be for a year or so until you see the next installment in her adventures. That's wonderful. That's great. And where can your listeners find out about um, any book signings this year? I know that you have a pretty robust um, event schedule. Yes, even with the pandemic, I, I've managed to um, have uh, a number of bookstores have invited me to do virtual events, uh, and uh, you know maybe even later uh, in the spring or early summer, I'll be able to have some in-person book signings. But all of that you can find, as well as a newsletter uh, that can keep you up to date, at my website, uh, www.sherrynolton.com, and that's S-H-E-R-R-Y-K-N-O-W-L-T-O-N. Perfect. Well, that's great. Well, I've really enjoyed interviewing today. This was a, a real treat. And I hope your fans and listeners will purchase a copy of Dead on the Delta. Um, they can get that at Sunbury Press um, on Amazon or anywhere books are sold online and also here locally, Whistle Stop Bookshop. Um, so now I'm going to turn it over to you, Sherry, for a preview of the upcoming podcast. Okay. Well, thanks, Kim. Um, I, I hope to all you listeners out there that you've found this fir first podcast intriguing enough that you'll turn in, uh, tune in to subsequent podcasts. Um, I plan to do them weekly, um, although they may not be every single Tuesday, uh, depending on availability of guests, but you can look for them weekly. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit more um, as what I just teased today, which is sort of a typical day on safari um, in the Okavango Delta. Um, I believe I'm going to be able to interview uh, the lion researcher I mentioned, Robin Kotke. Uh, I want to talk uh, about wildlife poaching and, and why that is such a problem. Um, another book, uh, another uh, episode, I've got books on the mind here. Another mm -hmm. episode is, is going to be about tips for taking a safari uh, with an expert, not just me. Uh, and then I think my husband and I are going to wrap it up with talking uh, episode that talks a few more about our exciting uh, adventures on African trips. So I hope you do turn in, tune in. Um, what I'd like to do is leave you with a quote, which is from uh, Ibn Battuta, and he says, traveling, it leaves you speechless, then turns you into a storyteller.
So thanks, everybody, for joining us. Thanks so much, Kim, for joining me and being my interviewer today. Uh, And hopefully uh, all of you will be tuning in next week to Dead on the Delta, an African adventure. Thank you. Thank you.